Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Coronavirus, is it good for the terrorists? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, everybody is talking about coronavirus. Um, that's like the number one thing in the news and uh, on people's minds increasingly. Uh, and as a psychiatrist, I am a little concerned that um, that is going to have um, a very deleterious impact, uh, even worse than the coronavirus itself. Now, I did a podcast a couple back um, asking, uh, which is worse, you know, public enemy number one, coronavirus or terrorism. So if you haven't listened to that, I suggest you go back and listen to it. Uh, today, I'm gonna to be looking at coronavirus and terrorism a little differently. And that is, you know, as I said, coronavirus is good for the terrorists. In other words, um, coronavirus may well have inadvertently become a potential biological weapon. Now, I'm saying inadvertently, <laughs> uh, giving the benefit of the doubt to the terrorists that this wasn't something that they cooked up, literally. Um, although there certainly have been questions in terms of China, um, you know, that's not usually who we look at, or who at least I look at in terms of terrorists. Um, but, you know, the, I have talked about how there is, there are questions as to whether um, the coronavirus did come out of a laboratory in China. And um, was it, um, was it on purpose? Was it spread on purpose? But now I'm talking about the usual radical Islamist terrorists, and I don't think that they cooked up the coronavirus. But even though they didn't cook it up, um, they may. There are ways in which they might find it beneficial to them um, in terms of being able to increase terror attacks. And I'll tell you that in a minute. But I just want to tell you, as far as I'm concerned. Um, again, because I, I don't want to spread fear at all. I, in fact, I am really basically doing with the coronavirus um, what I do with terrorism, which is looking at various aspects of it, talking about it calmly, <laughs> um, and getting you to think about it calmly, and feeling that you have more mastery over it because of having looked at it from all different angles. And um, so I'm sitting here with no mask on, no immediate intention to buy a mask, sitting in California, 
where there have been, um, you know, of course in the US, there have been cases of coronavirus. And in fact, um, there was just recently one where the person died of coronavirus, the first death actually of coronavirus in the US. So um, I don't, I'm not making light of it, but at the same time, I think there's more of a risk of people getting overly panic stricken. And the bad part of that is that, first of all, that causes people when they're panic stricken to do things that are not um, helpful to them, that are not safe, that, are, that actually work against them. Uh, and primarily, the more fearful you are, the more anxious you are, uh, the more you decrease your immune system. In other words, stress, the stress. If you're sitting there being stressed about the coronavirus, um, you will be working, doing bad things to your immune system. And that, of course, will make you more vulnerable to the coronavirus. Now, I recently took a trip to Vegas for a meeting and um, half the people showed up at this meeting they had, half of them had canceled the day before because they were afraid to fly because of being afraid of coronavirus flying around the airplane. Now, they missed out on a very important and good meeting. And chances of them having contracted the coronavirus if they flew to Vegas was really very slight compared to, um, you know, what they missed out on. Um, I was, you know, I, I did look around the plane and the airport. I did, you know, ask myself, did anybody look sick? Um, I, ironically, I was the one who was sneezing and I was thinking about how all the people who were sitting next to me are probably wondering if I have coronavirus. Um, uh, but really all I have done to you know, acknowledge the um, existence of coronavirus is washing my hands a little more, uh, touching my face a little less, and trying to be a little more aware of people, whether they are sick or not. And those are really the only things that you can do and should be worrying about, or not worrying, should be thinking about at this time. Um, now, getting back to terrorism, uh, there are ways in which uh, the coronavirus can make it easier for a terrorist or terrorists to um, perpetrate attacks. Um, but let's look at this first. Actually, terrorists are just a, on a very basic level are more vulnerable to, uh, to contracting the coronavirus um, Particularly, I mean, Iran is one of the places where uh, there are uh, a lot of people who have gotten sick. And Iran, of course, is the number one perpetrator of terrorism. Um, but, but other than that, you, you know, or, or including that, um, in general, in a very general way, terrorists, a lot of terrorists live in close quarters and um, therefore more vulnerable to getting coronavirus um, more, I'm saying more than in the U.S. or in the West, where people live in less close quarters. Um, also, in general, these are big generalities. Um, terrorists have less access to good medical care. 
And another uh, aspect is that um, that makes them less vulnerable <laughs> is that they have um, a kind of bravado. They want to become martyrs. They want to go to heaven with the 72 virgins. So they are not going to be as anxious about getting coronavirus as we will be. We are, uh, as many people are in the US and the West. Um, and, you know, because there's a way that they convince themselves, rationalize that uh, dying of coronavirus, somehow that that would be being a martyr um, because of whatever it is that they're doing. Now, in more concrete ways, those are all, that's all kind of generalizations and speculation and so on. But in more specific kinds of ways, tangible ways, it is true that our military um, is uh, there are people getting sick in our military and therefore it will have uh, a weakening effect on our military. Again, at this point, not in any serious way, but potentially. And the stock market, as you know, of course, has gone down and that means there will be an impact on the amount of money that we have for defense. Uh, Hollywood studios have been losing billions because of not being able to show movies in Asia and other countries where um, coronavirus is more prevalent and therefore people are avoiding being in crowds. Um, and then in general, when there is more chaos and disarray and fear in a country, it is easier for any enemy to conquer them. Just a general, a general, um, a general principle. So the more, again, that we allow for chaos and disarray and fear, the easier and the more that our country does, um, if it does, but again, I think there's a lot um, trying to avoid that. But the, the easier for an enemy to conquer any place where there's more chaos and disarray. Um, now, the other aspect is that, yeah, sure, terrorists are going to be getting sick, but it only takes a small number of terrorists to overcome our security. In other words, if our, if our security um, gets weaker because of people being sick or chaos and all of that, then yes, um, it will be easier for a terrorist or terrorists to get through to perpetrate an attack assuming the terrorist isn't sick with coronavirus. Um, but, you know, this is not like an army where you need, where the person who has, or the country, or the, the army who has the most people wins. It's not, terrorism is not a, a war like that. It doesn't take many terrorists to kill a lot of Westerners. So, so that's why I say that, um, that coronavirus has become or can potentially become inadvertently a potential, a, a, um, it has inadvertently become a potential bioweapon. But now the thing that is most important to remember is what Franklin Delano Roosevelt said in his first inaugural ag address in 1933, when it was the worst time of the depression. What did he say? He said, the only thing to fear is fear itself. 
So we'll talk more about all of these different aspects. There is no, there's no easy answer, you know, is it good for the terrorists? Yes, as I was just talking about, in some ways it is, but, um, but they're not immune to coronavirus. And so we're gonna look at some of the different aspects of it, um, in, so stay tuned. Welcome back. Today we're talking about coronavirus and is it good for the terrorists? Well, let's look at um, how coronavirus has impacted Iran, the number one perpetrator of terrorism. Um, and of course, it has impacted our uh, relations with Iran, but that is because Iran is being very uh, belligerent, surprise, surprise, and not accepting our offers of um, help. So um, first of all, there, the foreign minister of Iran, uh, Mohammad Zavid Zarif, has said that like other viruses, including terrorism, coronavirus knows no borders. Now it's interesting, it is true, as I talked about in the previous podcast that I mentioned about coronavirus, that, um, that terrorism is like coronavirus, is like a virus, is in many different ways. Um, so it, um, so the point of um, this foreign minister talking about that was because he was saying that it knows no borders, it doesn't distinguish between ethnicities or faiths. Now, I don't see how, quite see how he gets that in terms of terrorism. They certainly, it certainly, ser terrorists certainly do distinguish between ethnicities or, and faiths, but in any case, so he said to combat it, neither should we. Iran calls for more region cooperation, including long overdue Joint Center for Disease Control and Prevention. So um, there has been, in, in Iran, they've already put in place a set of contingency plans, including the temporary shutdown of schools, universities, cultural centers, um, and then the head of the Iranian Judiciary's High Council for Human Rights has said countries imposing sanctions, this, here's the, this is the key, they're not happy that the US has sanctions on Iran. And of course, the US has did that because, uh, because of all the intelligence uh, showing that Iran has in fact continued working towards nuclear weapons. So, um, which is why we stopped the Iran deal and why we imposed more sanctions. Um, but, you know, Iran doesn't like that. So they're saying that countries imposing sanctions on supply of medicine to Iran are, quote, murderers of human beings and lack qualifications to be members of the UN Human Rights Council. So they're saying that, um, the sanctions imposed by the U.S. on Iran are, quote, the most recent grave and systematic violation of human rights. The Iranian nation is the major victim of such a violation. Um, now, the U.S. has claimed that the, its sanctions against Iran don't cover supplies of medicine. Um, but they are disagreeing with that. Um, this um, Iranian judiciary head said, um, 
Although the U.S. claims that basic needs such as pharmaceutical and commodities are not sanctioned, access to the most basic human needs are blocked due to the sanctions imposed on international financial transactions and banking. So they want us to take away the sanctions <laughs> on the money. <laughs> not the medicine, just give us more money, right? Meanwhile, President Trump has extended an olive branch, the U.S., you know, um, under Trump, has extended an olive branch to Iran, despite what these uh, Iranian officials are saying. And um, they, they're, they're, you know, of course, it's very hard to, uh, to know the exact number of people who have been infected or killed and so on. But um, there's a report that, and, and, by, and each day, of course, it increases. But as I'm talking right now, there's a report that more than 200 people in Iran have been killed by the coronavirus, which is six times higher than the officially released number. Iran, just like China, are not exactly telling the truth about the number of people who are infected with the virus and who have died from it. Um, so Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said, the United States stands with the people of Iran during the public health crisis caused by the outbreak of the novel coronavirus. The U.S. government is prepared to assist the, the Iranian people in their response efforts. This offer of support to the Iranian people, which has been formally conveyed to Iran through the government of Switzerland, underscores our ongoing commitment to address health crises and prevent the spread of infectious diseases. Supporting the, the Iranian people is and will remain among our top priorities. Now, I mean, not only is this a, um, uh, you know, is the U.S. offering this on humanitarian grounds, but needless to say, in general, the more people who have uh, coronavirus, the more it spreads around the world, the more the U.S., the more the West is um, vulnerable to it, too, because of people traveling amongst countries. But, um, and of course, uh, Pompeo also called on Tehran to, quote, cooperate fully and transparently with international aid and health organizations because, uh, you know, they're, they're covering up the extent of the problem and the lack of the resources that they have. I mean, you know, in that country, which has already been having uh, grave problems with providing basic necessities to people, to its citizens, um, now throw in the coronavirus and um, they are not very well prepared to take care of them. Um, they've said that the death toll was 34, but as I said, it's been at least, it's at least 200 people in Iran who um, have died from coronavirus. Oh, and, and yes, and, and these, the people who have succumbed, succumbed to it, um, or not succumbed yet, but to have contracted coronavirus in Iran, includes Masuma Ebtekar, the highest ranking woman in the Iranian government and the vice president for women and family affairs. So they have been doing, taking some measures in Iran to try to prevent further spread, such as Friday prayers were called off in the capital and 22 other cities. 
and schools and universities have been shuttered. Um, now, another pro another reason why the, it, there is a it's the number that Iran is reporting as far as the people who have contracted the virus and the people who have died from it is also super low. Not only because of uh, PR, you know, they don't want the rest of the world to know, but also um, because the detection in Iran is not very good because you know very relatively primitive, and so they don't even really know themselves just how far this has spread and how many people have died from it. And so Tehran, after the U.S. made that offer that I just uh, read to you, Tehran is uh, slamming Washington's fake offer. That's what they're saying. Um, false expression of readiness to assist Iran. I mean, give, give me a break. They don't even want to take help when uh, help is, is offered, at least not now, obviously maybe if things get worse in Iran, they will eventually uh, appreciate it and admit that they appreciate it. They're calling the US's offer to help uh, ridiculous, hypocritical, and part of a political and psychological game. Wait till uh, some more of the higher ups in Iran get sick. <laughs> That's when they're gonna decide to take US aid. Um, so they're saying that uh, the, the claim of helping Iran in the fight against coronavirus made by a country that has exerted massive pressures on the Iranian people with its economic terrorism, economic terrorism, get that, and has even blocked the Iranian purchase of medicine and medical equipment is a ridiculous claim and a political psychological game. Now, I guess what they're trying to say is that because we've made um, uh, sanctions, which in, in terms of money coming into the country, they're saying that therefore they can't buy the medication. Um, but then they're also saying that, that they found other countries who are going to help them. I mean, wow, it, it's just, it's like a little kid in a playground saying, okay, you know, not wanting to take help from, uh, from, uh, from a, from a, another kid in the playground, you know, who, um, because they're angry at them or whatever. I mean, I know I'm sort of reducing this very serious conflict to children in the playground, but, but really that's what Iran is, how Iran is acting. Well, I'm gonna stop here and um, talk about some more aspects, just how much the, the coronavirus is um, threatening our military or affecting our military. That part is true. I mean, it is true that it is a potential threat um, in a lot of different ways. I'll tell you about that. But I'm also going to tell you about how really, um, you know, it, it's in terms of the U.S. and what has so far happened in the U.S., um, there is no reason to have panic yet <laughs> in the U.S. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about coronavirus. Is it good for the terrorists? And as you have already been hearing, it's a rather complicated answer. It could be, potentially could be, and here is one of the main ways that it could potentially be, not just because of what I was talking about, that it doesn't take many terrorists to, uh, to um, perpetrate an attack, and if we have less... Um, less security measures, 
then they can get through. Now, one of the ways that this, uh, I was looking at it in terms more of, of um, various kinds of attacks in the country, whether it's car ramming or bombings or knifings or things like that. But another way of looking at this uh, in terms of our defense is the US military. And so there is, um, there is, you know, this isn't good for the military. Uh, the Pentagon's chief of personnel has warned that the virus poses an increased threat in areas where US troops and defense personnel are located around the globe. So, um, for example, um, as our allies sh shut down borders and travel in response to the virus's spread, there's a risk in response to the virus's spread, there's a risk that by the end of March, they say, the US military re readiness may start degrading. In other words, if, um, if our allies are shutting down borders and travel and not letting our military come into their country, for example, um, and things like that, that's one of the ways in which our military readiness may be degrading. Um, also, it could it curtail diplomats' movements and uh, strain global supply chains, and of course, as I mentioned before, shaking the U.S. economy, which would mean that we wouldn't have as much money for defense. So an example would be, or was, has been, that a key joint military training exercise in South Korea has already been canceled. Um, and while the Pentagon is sending more medical and lab personnel to, and doctors and nurses to support US forces, um, Navy ships that have stopped at Pacific ports recently have been ordered to stay out at sea for two weeks in a self-quarantine. So in other words, just like the cruise ships um, have not been allowed to land because of you know wanting to know whether there's anybody on the ship who has coronavirus, the same thing is happening and could happen more uh, for our personnel, our military personnel not being allowed to land in key places where we need them to protect our interests. Um, so then also already in South Korea, a US service member and his wife have tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, in Italy at US Army installations, the commanders have restricted access to public areas such as church, gyms, and childcare centers, and ordered extra meals ready to eat, you know, for the military in case they have to quarantine. So in other words, if our military, whether they're on ships or landed in places like Italy, um, if, you know, if we have to worry about our military being quarantined, <laughs> that is going to cut down on their effectiveness. So there are various, um, examples like this, including in the Middle East, of course, and um, they, uh, they have canceled um, liberty and leave in the Middle East, 
And now the coronavirus is present in 55 countries. Uh, the best or the latest estimates is that it has infected almost 84,000 and killed nearly 3,000. When you hear this, it will, those numbers will have increased. Um, so, you know, there, there was a, a, a report, a threat assessment um, from the, the worldwide threat assessment that the U.S. had done in January 2019 said that the U.S. and the world, quote, will remain vulnerable to the next flu pa pandemic or large-scale outbreak of a contagious disease that could lead to massive rates of death and disability, severely affecting the world economy, strain international resources, and increase calls on the U.S. for support. So in other words, um, a contagious disease like the coronavirus could have devastating worldwide effects, could have. Um, so there are, other, there are many other examples of this, how things are already happening uh, around the world in terms of limiting our, our um, military, you know, which we kind of need in all these places. Um, however, now for the for the less um, for the less uh, devastating or frightening kinds of news about this, um, you know, although although the coronavirus has traveled all over the world and has these you know increasing numbers, and it seems like every day um, there get to be more the numbers are raising and so on, but the uh, mortality rate for coronavirus is only 2.3% of people infected. In other words, only 2.3% of people who became infected with coronavirus have died. And that is much less than the SARS virus. Remember when everybody was freaking about, out about SARS, that had a mortality rate of 9.6. So although more people will get um, coronavirus, um, and actually have already, more people already have been infected um, with coronavirus, the, the percentage of people who will die is much lower. Now, also, you have to, the people who have died are generally people who were elderly or had other ailments that comprise their immune systems. So, um, you know, a lot of the reason why we're scared is because, in general, not just in relation to terrorism, but it's because there isn't a lot known about the um, coronavirus. I mean, there did, uh, the, the China was able to send out information about it, what it looks like and, and uh, the genetic structure of it and so on, faster than um, other viruses. Uh, so that people could start doing research and working on a cure. But every day, things that we thought were um, safe, you know, like, um, it, it, like, for example, there was a case, uh, or now I think there are two cases in the U.S., where it's not known that the person, that the, the person, there is no known contact that the person had with someone with coronavirus. So in other words, the um, 
not only did the person not travel to a country where there is a lot of coronavirus, but there is no known contact with someone who was infected with coronavirus. So when we hear things like that, you know, uh oh, oh, so it's not just it's not just if you're in contact with a person with coronavirus. It's not just, I mean, you know, in other words, you could think, well, if I don't go to Italy or I don't go to China or I don't go to Iran, uh, well, I'll be, or South Korea, I'll be safe. But now there are these kinds of new mysterious ways in which they're realizing that you can also catch it. Um, now, now, the thing is, though, the truth is that you are much more likely to get the normal flu, the regular flu, a virus, than you are likely to get um, coronavirus. At least 19 million Americans contracted the flu in the last four months, 19 million Americans, and 10,000 have died since October. So 10,000 people in the US have died from the regular old garden variety flu. And no one, you don't hear much panic about that, <laughs> but the coronavirus that has had a much lower um, number of infections and a much, much lower number of deaths, that everybody's freaking out about. So um, the bottom line to all of this is what I can tell you is that um, yes, in the various ways that I mentioned, um, it coronavirus can be good for terrorists who want to take this opportunity to um, attack us. But on the other hand, um, we are our biggest danger. We are our biggest threat to ourselves. That the more, because the more anxious you let yourself become, the more at risk you are, um, assuming that you don't go to these countries where it's high risk and that you don't knowingly, obviously, um, get close to someone with coronavirus, you are the biggest risk to yourself if you allow yourself to get anxious. So what does that mean? That means not sitting in front of the television set or the radio or the computer and listening and watching uh, to reports about the coronavirus coming to get you. And I will just repeat what the wise man, <laughs> President Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, it's just as, as relevant today as it was in 1933. The only thing to fear, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. 
You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.